Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. Welcome to another episode of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. And of course, Woody is here today. Uh, for those of you not in the know, Woody is my canine. He is a long hair, miniature dachshund, and quite the handsome fella. Yes, Woody. Woody just said uh, thank you. And uh, Woody is a dog, uh, so he can't talk. And of course, if Woody could talk, he would be telling you to visit us on our website, pblpodcast.com. Click on our YouTube link over there and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thank you. For those of you who have subscribed so far, we've got a few new subscribers in the last few days. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And what you will see on our YouTube channel, because it is a work in progress right now, I'm putting up my TikTok videos on YouTube. And you're like, what, TikTok? No, those Chinese are watching me. No, 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 not if you watch it on the YouTube. And I know a lot of people have an aversion to TikTok, but I do a lot of TikTok videos and I put them on the YouTube channel so you can see them there. And then I'm also going to be doing some other videos, one-off videos. So look forward to that. So subscribe so you get notices when that all happens. But let's get right into today's podcast of Politics and Brown liquor hey it is the it's over it's over the conventions are over yay they're over all right so let's do a quick recap on the conventions last night and uh, ratings are in for thursday's convention and uh you know what we'll go through the convention stuff a little bit then i want to get into some news let's do some quick takes it is a friday let's get out with a bang and just kind of go over a lot of stuff in a short amount of time first off the convention the ratings are in for thursday and they are down over last um the last republican convention and they are down down the Democrats. So I'm not going to get into the numbers. They're down about uh, 2 million viewers. And that's been pretty consistent with the RNC versus the DNC versus 2016. So the question is, why? Is it a ratings disaster? What happened? Well, you know, this is a, I, I don't believe in a while we've had conventions back to back like this. So we've literally had two weeks of conventions. So that could be part of it, could be convention fatigue, but I'm sure a lot of people are going to say, E, all you're doing is making excuses for the Republicans. And you're right. I am. I am. Now, it also could be that Republicans were watching the Democrats and the Democrats were not watching the Republican convention. You know, the left, the far hardcore left will have nothing to do with the right. They vilify the right. And if they ever did look at it and see something that they liked or something that didn't fit their narrative, well, they won't, they can't comprehend it. They can't process it. So they just don't watch. So that could be part of it. Other part of it could be that, you know, a lot of people looked at it online. I had a leftist argue with me that the right are usually older and less tech savvy, so they probably are watching it on TV. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, C-SPAN had record ratings for, they're, they're like four or five times over what the DNC did um, during the RNC convention. So a lot of more people were watching C-SPAN online live during the RNC convention versus the DNC convention. So, and, or it could also be virtual conventions are boring, y'all. 
I mean, there's just not as much of excitement at the virtual conventions. I mean, it, you know, how do you keep people's attention? How do you raise the energy level? Uh, Trump's speech was in front of an audience. Mike Pence's speech was in front of an audience, and that helped. When you don't have an audience there, you don't have that same energy level. The speaker doesn't have that same energy level. I hate, I love public speaking. Love, love, love public speaking. And I feed off of the crowd when I get up there. So the better the crowd, the bigger the crowd, the more energy there is. So it could be that. I, I personally believe that it's because of these virtual conventions are just flat. Now, as far as comparative yeah, you know, the RNC, I, I thought the production value was just way better than the DNC. The transition between speakers was just better. But, but you know, all that's moot. It's over. We're done with the conventions. Now the race starts. So a couple of things, uh, highlights from last night's convention is, again, the RNC put up a lot of black speakers. Now that matters to the left because they're identity politics, but it also just shows you the, the attention, the RNC, the Republicans, specifically Donald Trump are giving to black voters. That is one guy, Jerron Smith. He's a deputy assistant to the president and a consistent theme that you hear from these presenters. And yes, I did mean black people when I said these presenters. Oh no, not the, not that those people are you people meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get over it, leftists. Anyway, the presenters all come from a traditional Democrat household. They've always voted Democrat, and something happened, and they saw the light. And the Jerron Smith, deputy assistant to the president, just he, he had a pretty inspiring uh, message. But with the beard, the beard was what got me. Whoa, dude's beard. Did you see this beard? I mean, it, it's one of those long beards. It was shiny. It almost looked like it had silk in it. I was like, dude, how do you do that to your beard? That would be the question I want to ask Jerron. So yes, am I superficial on this? Absolutely. I mean, I was, I was fixated on this guy's beard. I mean, the amount of work that he puts into that beard has to be a lot. So uh, then you had a couple others that had those same stories where they come from a Democrat household. Now, one of the things that contrasts with the DNC, because they brought out Republicans that are voting for Biden. You know, the conventions always do this. The DNC brought out politicians, former politicians, I might add. The RNC brought out people. They brought out constituents. Uh, they didn't bring out politicians. There were some, but they didn't bring out, they brought out your average person that is went that realize that the Democrats aren't helping them at all. And you know what Trump has done done with criminal justice reform has a, a huge impact. And I hate to say it because it's really sad that we're at a point in our country where criminal justice reform has a huge impact on the minority community. I mean, there's a whole nother conversation there because that there is a reason why it has a huge impact. And that reason is not good. It's because of culture, but I'm going to save that. So I, I thought that was a pretty good, I thought night three was the best night. I, I think Pence was phenomenal. Again, 2024, I'm all in for Pence already. Uh, if he stays consistent, I mean, and Pence has been consistent his whole career, so he will stay consistent. I think Pence just did, knocked it out of the park. And then they had Ann Dorn, who the widow of retired uh, St. Louis uh, police captain, um, uh, Captain Dorn, I cannot remember his first name, I apologize. Uh, he was killed in one of the riots, and his widow spoke, and that was just such a heart-pulling 
speech. So um, I th- I, and it speaks to what's going on with these riots, which I'm going to get into today as well. We're going to talk about that. And then, of course, you know, Ivanka Trump gave a speech, pretty good speaker. And then President Trump. And I'm not, again, this is quick takes. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I, content for Trump's speech was good, but delivery, I was, he, it was too scripted for me. I thought Trump reading a script is not as good as Trump just talking. And there were a couple times during the speech where he did just kind of go off script and talk. You know, a sly comment here, a sly look there. The, that's the Trump that I like, that I want to see. I, I don't want to see this Trump trying to read a teleprompter because, you know, he's just not that good at reading a teleprompter. Trump is good off the cuff. In fact, he's great off the cuff. That's when he gets crowds riled up. That's when he gets people agreeing with him because he talks like an everyday man. This multi-billionaire talks like an everyday man. So that's so I wasn't impressed with the delivery of the speech. And quite honestly, content of any of these speeches is, you know, they politicians, they they sell themselves and tear down the other guy. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, you know, you know that going in. So it, it's it's pointless to try to use that as uh, the barometer of how well did. I, I'm looking for the delivery because I love public speaking. And for me, <laughs> that's what I look for. I know, shallow. I know, I know. But anyway, DNC versus RNC convention. DNC, of course, orange man bad. All right. They attacked uh, Donald Trump on several fronts, and you're starting to see it now. You're going to see it throughout the election. One is their, his character versus Joe Biden's character. That one's going to blow up on the DNC. That is not going to not going to work. I mark my words because there's too much baggage in Biden's history, specifically with Burisma, specifically with his son Hunter Biden and his China deals, and how um, Biden basically turned a blind eye. That's gonna that's gonna fall flat. Uh, the COVID thing where they're blaming. Trump on COVID, that he didn't do enough, that therefore he's the reason for this. They're going to run with that through the entire run of the election. We're going to see that the entire time. And then the riots, the protests, because the DNC won't say riots, they're starting to talk about it, but they didn't even bring it up. They didn't bring it up during the DNC, but they brought up a lot of Black Lives Matters. BLM was prominent every single night for the DNC. So because the DNC, is, as mentioned, is afraid. They're afraid they're going to lose more of the black vote. And if they do that, they lose the election. They know it and the Republicans know it. So the Republican side, it was Biden. You know, this is Biden's America. Biden is the one. If you let Biden, this is what you're going to get. All the riots and all the protesters, right? That was a consistent theme in the DNC. I'm, I'm sorry, the RNC, because of Biden's past and his voting record. Uh, so that is consistent with the RNC. They're going to continue that route throughout the election as well, too. They're going to try to paint Biden as lawlessness. They're going to paint uh, an Amer- America under Biden would be a lawless America. You want more of the riots? Vote for Biden. That's pretty much the theme. And then, of course, uh, you know, the, the Democrats and the media, which I repeat myself, were saying that um, Trump did nothing with the coronavirus. Well, Trump opened with the coronavirus. Day one was all about what they've done with the coronavirus. They did a lot. And if you look at it, and I'm not going to get into the timeline on it. I mean, this, this administration did act quickly. Now, one of the things that you're hearing from the left is, we, you know, America has 4% or, or the population and 25% of the deaths. 
Yeah, I'm going to get into that in a second. So the RNC was all about if this, if you want this violence to continue, vote for Biden. And here's here's what Trump did. Well, he he did it before. He could do it again. So that's your themes coming out of the conventions. And I know there's more, but I want to get through this stuff real quick. I'm I'm convention fatigued. I'm ready. I was ready for it to be over. And now now the race really begins. Now you're going to start seeing. Um, the battles. So the first thing that we're going to see is we're going to see the Democrats continue to slam Trump with COVID. And you know what? I would too, if I were them. It's, it is a, a good slam. It is a good message because under COVID, we have had uh, just, I mean, what has happened to this nation economically, what has happened to this nation uh, uh, just mentally, because it's just been crazy under COVID-19 or the China virus. Uh, even though I'm not sure there could have been anything different done um, personally, I wouldn't have shut things down. But that's just me. I mean, I'm, I'm just a lowly little guy here talking politics into a microphone, but I wouldn't have shut things down. I, I just, I mean, you look at the death rate compared to the population and it's just crazy. And now, you, but you're going to see the left going to continue on this COVID. In fact, during Trump's or right after Trump's speech, as before and during it, the left, the media, again, repeating myself, was, was just railing on no social distancing and Trump's speech because they had all the people in the chairs and they were sitting next to each other. Most people didn't have a mask on and they were just, oh my gosh, Jake Tapper could, was beside himself that they weren't social distancing. And it's like, all right, Karen, calm down because that's how they are. They're all of a sudden, they're Karens when it comes to social distancing on the media for the Republicans, <laughs> not against the Democrats. Because the Democrats, they didn't have anybody in their uh, uh, audiences. But hey, I, I have no problem whatsoever with the people that were in the audience for Trump. None whatsoever. In fact, I just do not agree with this shutting everything down. Uh, it, it, you know, we're never going to get to herd immunity and get through this virus because the virus is not going away. It's now part of the world and it's going to be here. And, you know, if you look at statistics on the virus, you know, the younger crowds, uh, it, it's not impacting. It's, it's like, you know, 1%, 1.2% death rate on this thing. But I digress. I, you know, I don't want to get into this whole virus nonsense. Maybe we'll do a show on that. But the left is going to use COVID. And now the left, they have a, they realize they have a problem. On yesterday's podcast, I paid, I played you a clip from Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo, how it's showing up in the polls. Well, now all of the sudden, all of the sudden, the left is starting to go, uh-oh, we better do something about this because they're losing they're losing the narrative that this is something that um, uh, is caused by Trump. They're, or actually, they're, they're, they're starting to see, the left is, that this is bad for the Democrats. This is because people are associating all of this with the Democrats. Now, why would people associate this with the Democrats? Because the Democrats embraced it. The Democrats, dumbasses that they were, saw all this going on. And what did they do? They go on and on how these are peaceful protesters. You have a right to protest. Chris Cromo said, where does it say in the Constitution you have to protest peacefully? And that kid on TikTok ripped him apart by showing him in the Constitution that we have a right to peacefully protest. So the left, 
they they grabbed onto these protests and they didn't even talk about social distancing with them. So now, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is looking bad for us. The polls are looking bad. People are starting to think, wait a minute, they associate this with us. So now they're going to try to say this is Trump's America. Uh, I'm going to play a clip for you, Joe Biden and Andrea Mitchell of MSNBC News. And I'm going to put this in the show notes, but uh, you really got to see this too, because Biden, he's, uh, it looks like he has one of those grandpa sweaters on. It's not a grandpa sweater. It's actually a suit jacket. His clothes are starting to not fit him. That's a bad thing. That's a bad sign. He's starting to look older and older. So now his suit jacket looks like a Mr. Rogers sweater. It's not a good look. It's just, it looks of weakness. Now I, I saw the whole clip. I'm just going to play you a short clip on this, but Andrea Mitchell look is looking at Biden going, Holy crap. This is bad. He looks bad and she's softballing him. But, um, this is Biden now, now going to try to turn the narrative of these riots and blame Trump. Take a listen. And of course there's what's happening in Kenosha with Wisconsin. I know you reached out and talked to the family. Uh, Jacob Blake was never mentioned in any of the speeches at the Republican convention, not mentioned when the vice president, Mike Pence, spoke last night. He also said that Joe Biden would double down on the very policies that are leading to violence in America's cities, adding that the hard truth is you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. Your response well, you know, to that? He keeps it. <laughs> yeah, Joe Biden's America. Look, uh, while running a video of Donald Trump's America, the problem we have right now is we're in Donald Trump's America. You know, to uh, to quote uh, um, Kelly Conway, she said, and I'm paraphrasing today, that they're looking for more violence and more disruption because it helps them politically. He views this as a political benefit to him. You know, he's rooting uh, for more violence, not less. And it's clear about that. And what's he doing? He's kept pouring gasoline on the fire. This happens to be Donald Trump's America. Donald Trump's America. COVID is out of control. He's doing very little to be, he's not prepared. He didn't prepare for it. He hasn't responded to it. And he continues to be in a position where he does nothing to deal with it. We have 15 million people out of work. We have, you know, 50 million. It just is amazing how, if you notice, they didn't speak about COVID and they didn't speak about any of the reason why we're doing what, what's happening in, in Kenosha is happening. And by the way, I condemn violence in any form whether it's looting or whatever it is and by the way when i spoke to when I, when I spoke to the family the mom was really incredibly straightforward she said this is not who we are as a family this is not who my son is we condemn the violence and so who's who's rooting for the violence here and then you have apparently i don't have enough detail to make a final judgment it looks like some of the militia folks were in there young man is a guy that shot two people i mean and where, where's the com the condemnation coming from that so look you know if i talk about safety the biggest safety issue is all the people dying from COVID. over a thousand yesterday again it's leveling off about a thousand people a day we're worse off than any other country in the world right now let me ask you, you just said that you believe that the president is rooting for the violence. You think the president of the United States is rooting for the violence because he thinks it helps him politically? I think he views it as a political benefit. I, I had a quote here from Kellyanne Conway. She said, the more chaos and anarchy and vandalism and violence reigns, it equals 
It's better for us. It's a very clear choice it presents for us. Now, when has a president or a spokesperson for president ever said something like that? Ever. This is, I mean, look, this is the same guy when people came out of Charlottesville and a young woman gets killed and they're, they're spewing hate and their veins bulging and carrying swastikas and white supremacists. And he's get asked, what about what just happened? He said, they're very fine people on both sides. He just keep pouring fuel on the fire. He's encouraging this. He's not diminishing it at all. This is his America now. And you want to end where we are now, we've got to end his tenure as president. And there you go. Um, Donald Trump's America, fuel on the fire. You're going to hear that a lot. You're going to hear fuel on the fire a lot. But notice one of the things that he said is when is an American president or America, somebody ever said that, what Kellyanne Conway said? Well, uh, Rahm Emanuel, who's chief of staff for Barack Obama, said never let a crisis go to waste. Uh, that's when we've heard it, Biden. That it, it, And that just was not that long ago. In fact, it was, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe you were the vice president in that administration. Biden's losing it. You, I mean, there's so much uh, babbling going on. And he talked about veins bulging. He's he's using that a lot. The guy that he's talking about, veins bulging, Richard Spencer, I believe is his name, just came out and endorsed Biden. The white supremacist that he says it was the catalyst for him deciding to run in this election just endorsed Biden. This is what they're going to try. So they're going to try now to claim that these riots and all this are on Trump's watch. They're going to try to tie it to them because they realize now, because the polling has told them that all this is wrapped around the Democrats next. This is their albatross. He mentioned what happened with um, um, uh, Jacob, Jacob Blake, the guy who was shot by police after, by the way, he was struggling with police. Yeah, yeah. There's other video out there where they was on the ground struggling. They tased him and he still kept going into his car. This was a justifiable shooting. But his mom, he, Biden mentioned his mom, come, you know, he talked to the mother. Well, the mother came out also and said she has a lot of respect for Trump and what he's doing. So that that narrative is going to screw with them. And then you've got the riots that are happening. He mentioned the kid that shot those two people actually shot three. Two of them died. And the left is like going, oh, my God, how can they be? What's that? Um, Ayanna Presley. She came out with a tweet that uh, basically vilified the media and what they were doing and how they were reporting this. I'll see if I can find the tweet and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read it to you, but oh my gosh. I mean, it just, the, the level of hypocrisy and here's the tweet from Anna Presley. She's one of the squad, the bald one, the Lex Luthor one. A 17-year-old white supremacist domestic terrorist drove across state lines armed with an AR-15. He shot and killed two people who had assembled to affirm the value, dignity, and worth of black lives. And she goes on, whoever she's railing against, fix your damn headlines. So he drove across state lines. Oh, that's sinister. It's 20 miles away. Where the kid lived in Antioch, Illinois, it's like literally right across the state. It's 20 miles. And then I saw some reports saying, we drove a whole 20 miles. 20 miles. 20 miles. I live in uh, metropolitan Atlanta. 20 miles is nothing here. But let's talk about those people that he shot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So um, one is Anthony Huber, 26 of Silver Lake. Anthony Huber, check this guy's got a rap sheet like you wouldn't believe. I mean, here it is. Let's see. Uh, felony, second degree, recklessly endangering safety, use of a dangerous weapon, strangulation and suffocation, domestic abuse, false imprisonment 
imprisonment, domestic abuse, use of a dangerous weapon, battery, domestic abuse, use of a dangerous weapon. These are all different charges. Disorderly conduct, domestic abuse, use of a dangerous weapon, disorderly conduct, domestic abuse. This is who the left now is starting to say. They're, they're calling them heroes. The, the, and their their people are tweeting out like Brianna Westbrook tweeted out Anthony Huber was the hero that tried to apprehend the government in Kenosha after the gunman shot a BLM protester in the face he ran up to him with his skateboard to stop him from shooting others he was shot in the chest by the government and died rest in peace Anthony Huber hero there's other shots of Anthony Huber hitting other people over the head with a skateboard and he's got freaking felony arrest warrants as long as his arm and then the other guy uh joseph rosebaum he's a convicted sex offender people people these are not good people and they're also i mean they're uh, you know the left the left are just they they any it's like what rahm emanuel said don't let any good crisis go to waste. So the kid that shot him, Kyle Rittenhouse, 17, he was arrested. Uh, he allegedly shot, you know, you have to say allegedly, two dead, two people dead. A third, uh, I mean, it's a third night of unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, over the police shooting of Jacob. Now, the left went uh, crazy that Trump didn't mention anything about Jacob Blake. Why would he? It just happened. Maybe the left needs to, like, chill and let things play out so they have the information before they go emotionally cocked on it all and just spew whatever comes out of their mouth whatever narrative that they've already preordained so this kid you know 17 year old kid comes up there with his firearm and uh he he's gonna assist in the riots i don't think that was a smart thing to do obviously not a smart thing to do uh, but I get his his intent where, you know, they're painting him as a white supremacist. I haven't found anything on that. I mean, it could be true. I don't know, but I'm not going to glom on to that. I mean, the facts that we know now is he did come from, he lived nearby Antioch, Illinois, which is like 20 miles. I looked it up on a map. It's very close. And uh, the kid was, you know, there's some stories out there that they attacked him and it may turn out he was defending himself. I mean, he's a supporter of Trump, a supporter of Blue Lives Matters. So in the left's mind, that automatically makes him a racist. I tell you, there's, then the left is starting to realize, the Democrats are starting to realize this is not looking good for them. So Kyle here is going to be vilified by the left no matter what. It, I mean, they are going to drag this kid through the mud in ways to make Donald Trump look bad that this kid had no idea would ever happen to him. And because that's what the left does. I guess that's called gaslighting, right? And doxing. Yeah, so it's not going to end well for Kyle. Unfortunately, he put himself in a bad situation. He should not have gone there. I wouldn't have gone there. I mean, I don't want to have any part of these these uh, riots. I mean, if I'm a business owner or I live in the area, I'll protect my business. I'll protect my home. I'll protect my family. But this is out of hand. And honestly, the left are the reason this is out of hand. I mean, we saw in Seattle where the mayor, Dunkirk is her name, I think, or Dunker, or Dunk, 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 we'll just put her that name, is saying that this is a summer of love. I mean, <laughs> that's that whole Chaz Chop thing, and they had to eventually shut that down because people were killed, people were raped, I mean, robbed. Yeah, these bad actors that are coming in and doing this, there's other sources behind it. They're not just going there to go there. 
there is a video I played a long time ago, and I don't have it available, where a guy was handing out money for these protesters. These aren't protesters. These aren't peaceful protests. All right. Um, <clears throat> got a video I'm going to share once I come back from break. And you may have already seen this video. So it's of CNN. Uh, actually, I think we got a little bit of time. CNN has now produced one of the most surreal moments in news history. Uh, remember Baghdad, Bob? Well, we got another one. So here's a tweet from uh, uh, Caleb Hull. You cannot make this up. A CNN reporter is standing in front of a building engulfed in flames and CNN's Chiron, I guess is what we call that. Uh, scroll at the bottom reads fiery but mostly peaceful protests after police shooting i'm gonna let you i'm gonna play this then we'll go on a break and i'll catch you guys on the second segment of the pbl podcast politics and brown liquor look at this this listen to the background Christine, Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin, over the course of the night. A second night since Jacob Blake was seen shot in the back seven times by a police officer. And what you are seeing now, these images came and come in stark contrast to what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in Kenosha and into the early evening, which were largely peaceful demonstrations in the face of law enforcement. It wasn't until night fell that things began to get a little bit more contentious. Things were thrown back and forth. Police started using some of those crowd dispersal tactics like tear gas, even playing uh, very loud sounds to push them out. And then what you were seeing, the common theme that ties all of this together is an expression of anger and frustration over what people feel like has become an all too familiar story playing out in places from across the country, not just here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Christine, Laura. All right. Thank you so much for that. New overnight. Did you hear all the gunfire in the background? And the, if you see the video, huge fire in the background. This is the left. This is their albatross. And they're going to try to now change it and put it around Trump's neck. And the media, they don't want you to tie this to them. The media is going to assist the Democrats. Be right back. <laughs> 